welcome to the Award Travel 101 podcast. My name is Richard Curry, and in 2013, I started a Facebook group dedicated to teaching people how to travel the world using points and miles. Today, over 50,000 members of Award Travel 101 share, teach, and learn how to travel the world on any budget. This podcast is not only a recap of award travel news and strategy, but also a glimpse into my life of running a Facebook group full-time and the lives of our members. Welcome to episode nine, ladies and gentlemen, of the Award Travel 101 podcast. It's that time of the week again when I get to talk into a microphone about points and miles and hopefully get you just as excited and passionate about these made-up currencies as I am. That's right. They're made-up currencies where the points don't matter, especially with this week's topics. This week, we're talking about the shift to variable award pricing. If you're new to Award Travel 101 and the points and miles scene or hobby, as we like to call it, here's what I'm talking about. If you go back in time over the last few years, typically airlines have published award charts that say if you want to fly from region X to region Y, you want to fly from this city to that city, it's going to cost this number of miles. It doesn't matter if you fly on a Monday night, a Monday morning, Tuesday, Sunday, Thursday, or any other made-up day of the week, it's going to cost this number of miles. What we've seen over the last few years, and especially in the last two weeks, is airlines shifting to a variable pricing model where you're not going to know how much an award ticket costs. Now, this can be very problematic if you want to take a family vacation to Florida, Hawaii, you want to go out to ski season, you want to go to Europe. You're not sure how many miles you have to save up. The airlines take their routes, they put them into the computer, which spits out, hey, based on a million different factors, we're going to charge this number of miles today, this number of miles tomorrow is always going to be different. It can be disconcerting, but it's not all doom and gloom. I'm going to be joined by Mr. Ed Pizzarello, who needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyways in just a minute to see what this means for us in our pursuit of free or discounted travel using points and Miles, and recap the latest events over the last two weeks and kind of look into our crystal ball about what's going to happen in the future. Before that, I want to introduce the new official sponsor of the Award Travel 101 podcast, Thrifty Traveler Premium. People are always asking me, how do I get these mistake fares and these cheap deals before they go away because they last so quickly? Look, you need to be plugged into this community. There's a few ways to do that. You can read message boards and forums. You can be on email blog list. You can be in my Facebook group, which I highly recommend. But the truth is, because of how uh, random some of these deals are and how quickly they go away, you need to get instant email notifications. Thrifty Traveler Premium does just that. I've used it for a couple weeks. I just got some great deals out of the Atlanta area. They even send me Delta flash sale deals where I can get domestic trips for five to seven, eight thousand miles. And it's a really, really great deal. So I'm very happy and I can attest to it personally after having it for a few weeks to introduce you to Thrifty Traveler Premium. A little bit more about them right now, and we'll be right back with Mr. Ed Pizzarello and the shift to variable award pricing. Running a Facebook group of over 60,000 people means I get asked a lot of questions. One of the most common is, Richard, where are you always finding these cheap flights and these mistake fares? I feel like I'm always missing out. Never miss a deal again by using Thrifty Traveler Premium. This is over 80 international flight deals a month delivered right to your inbox. Sign up today. Try it for free at thriftytraveler.com slash AT101. Get deals like instant mistake fare notification for $238 round trip flights to Croatia. Filter the notifications you get based on your departure city and your surrounding cities. You can use points to book these fares like Amex Membership Rewards, Chase Ultimate Rewards, and you're going to get miles when you fly these amazing deals. They even send me SkyMiles flash sales so I never miss an opportunity to get free or cheap flights. Never miss a deal again. Thrifty Traveler Premium. Sign up today. Try it for free. ThriftyTraveler.com slash AT101.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Award Travel 101 podcast, where we are going to get super nerdy and dorky into the weeds of points and miles, and you're saying, we? Who is we? Joining me today is a man who needs no introduction in the world of points and miles, Mr. Ed Pizzarello from Pizza in Motion on the Boarding Area Network. Ed, how's it going? It's going, man. I uh, it's ex- I would say it's exciting times in the world of miles and points, but I'm not terribly excited. I am a little agitated, and... Uh... Nervous as a, a cat in a room full of rocking chairs. So that is a very old gentleman saying he's nervous. He also just worked out in the high elevation of Denver. So Ed, don't drop dead on us here on the Award Travel 101 podcast. I know you're in fragile state in your condition. <laughs> but what Ed's talking about is the shift to variable redemption values, I guess is the easiest way to say it. We don't know what things are going to cost. We don't know how much they're going to cost. We don't know when they're going to cost, what they're going to cost. And we don't know much our currency is now worth. Is that an accurate description? I think so. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, United, uh, I think we all believe that United's announcement of getting rid of the award charts uh, was um, was sort of soft pedaled, that they didn't uh, they didn't make the big changes that they're going to make in dynamic pricing right away to, to sort of hide some of the damage that'll come later. And I don't really remember when Delta did this, how bad it was immediately after removing the charts. So I can't I can't draw a correlation there, but I would suspect that by summertime we'll probably start seeing some some pretty outrageous pricing. I mean, there's already outrageous pricing. Yep. I, you know, I've seen plenty of thirty two thousand five hundred mile one way flights from Dulles to Orlando in January. That sounds about right. As I am planning my ten year anniversary trip to Europe for June, I am looking at ways to get home, and it's not going to happen in premium class using United Miles. This much I know: it's now a hundred and you know eighty four thousand each way per person. So not going to do that. <laughs> well, it might, but it's going to happen close in because I still think that trend probably uh, sticks for some uh, for you know for some time um, if you're willing to sweat it out. So let's give the folks a quick recap: who has now gone to variable pricing where we aren't sure what award flights are going to cost. So Delta's already been there for a while, um, you know, and 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 for, to be fair, I mean, Southwest was really one of the first to go down this road with the revenue-based model. They just don't fly all the places we want to go. So Delta's move was a big one because it, it started to change the international pricing. Um, you know, United made the announcement recently that they're going that route. We, we've seen some changes on the American website that seem to indicate that they're preparing for changes. And in a world where these public companies manage to the quarter, uh, their analysts will be asking them on their next quarterly call why they haven't, uh, why they're trailing their peers, quote unquote. Yeah, so two thoughts on that. First, they've always had that level four of anytime awards that has never been published on the website, which has always been a little bit sneaky to me. They've had another higher level of pricing that's not even written out on their quote unquote award chart. And the second thought is, isn't it wonderful where the airline is beholden to the investors and not the customers? Isn't this a wonderful world that we live in? I just had to say that. And that's how they get paid. They they get paid based on what the where the stock price is, and that's uh, that's hurtful. Now I, I was corrected by American by uh, Americans, uh, uh, one of their top executives, uh, Elise Eberwine, who said that part of Doug Parker's compensation is based more on long term goals. So um, you know, but there is definitely some of the compensation that's based on that short term stock price, and that's you know the analysts say they want to see their the airlines, you know, beating their peers, which means finding ways to make more money. And the way to make money right now is to take things away from the customers. So we've got Delta, United, American, foregone conclusion. Actually, I think some leaks have already come out that that's going to happen, but we don't know when or what it's going to mean. Uh, I think Hawaiian just made some changes to go towards variable pricing. 
They did. And, you know, who does that leave really from the domestic carriers on a standard award chart? Alaska? Is Alaska going to go that way? I haven't heard anything from them. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I haven't looked at Alaska's financials. So, I, you know, they, they had some some spots there where, um, you know, where they were obviously trailing the, the, the competitive set. But they also just went through the acquisition of Virgin America. And, you know, I think we've seen in the past where, you know, Wall Street analysts have left airlines alone a bit while they're going through changes like that. So I think Alaska has a little bit of a grace period here to continue finishing up their, their acquisition before they're pushed harder to – uh, to reduce the liability for miles, um, you know, I think when we're talking about domestic travel, for for smart folks that know how to build a better mousetrap, or in our case, break a better mousetrap, I think you have to consider that the the British Airways changes that have been announced uh, that are coming, but we don't know what they are at the end of May. Um, those are likely to impact domestic travel as well, in that the the British Airways short haul. Uh, you know, up and down the East Coast sort of thing uh, chart is probably going to take a hit. So for those of us uh, who are listening who are not uh, familiar exactly with what it's talking about, you can use British Airways Avios. They're miles they call Avios to book American Airlines domestic flights. And oftentimes it is a wonderful, wonderful deal. Everybody got an email yesterday that gave no information except to say that we're changing the charts. We've now had some leaks overnight of the what is supposed to be the new award chart. And it doesn't look entirely too bad, but I guess we don't really know yet what this means for British Airways and if this is a first step into a true variable pricing, if things are going to change over the next couple of years. What what do you think is the end game here? You know, I mean, British Airways is certainly a little bit of a different beast, and they, they certainly have not moved lockstep with mm-hmm. others. Um, you know, the move to Avios and some of the things they did with the currency short term, they've always charged really high, or at least as long as I can recall, they've charged really high uh uh, carrier imposed surcharges, not even fuel right. surcharges. <laughs> money grabs, straight money grab on award flights. Yes, straight money grabs. Yeah, so they, they, you know, they've always sort of bounced to a beat of a different drum there, and and I, I don't necessarily know that their changes will mirror what United just did, but I also don't know that they're specifically beholden to to follow those guys. They they they've they've been known to blow, blaze their own path in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a worse change than what some of the the rumors are, um, you know, just because there are some really great values on that short haul award chart. I, I guess the flip side of that is maybe maybe there aren't a ton of folks using those in Europe, which is where the you know the majority of their members are. I mean, in the end, as much as we love these parts of the charts, as nerds, we are the one yeah. percent. We are a very small portion of redemption. So maybe we're not a big enough dent in profitability yet. It's true. It kind of leads me to taking a step back over the overall picture here. Since I can remember, and again, I'm a good 40 years younger than you. At least. It's, uh, <laughs> the the advertisements have always been, hey, get this credit card, get two free round-trip flights within the U.S. Hey, get this credit card, you can fly to Europe and economy. Now, they can't say that anymore. And from a consumer standpoint, how do people know what you're going to be able to do with this currency. What like, What is the motivation for me to stay loyal to United or Delta when I don't know how much I'm going to have to fly in order to reach that next family vacation in order how much, you know, I'm going to have to fly to have enough miles in my back pocket to know, Hey, when I need to get um, home to Charleston, South Carolina, I'm going to have those miles. Why, why would anybody try and stay loyal to a specific currency rather than, collecting as many as possible, given that you aren't sure the value that you hold or the value you can earn. 
I, I don't know the answer to this question. Yeah, and I'll tell you, like, I've had a bunch of discussions around that topic when Delta made their changes, and I certainly had those conversations when things went revenue-based. But as time has gone on, I think one of the things I've taken a step back at and looked at, and, and it took some it took some listening to what the airlines are saying. You know, uh, the airlines are saying that people continue to sign up for their credit cards at not necessarily a record pace, but at a pretty brisk pace. I mean, enough that American Express was willing to sign a 10-year deal with Delta um, to, to continue those signups. Enough that, uh, you know, United Airlines has now rolled out credit card applications uh, in flight uh, like American does. So let's think about that for just a second. I think you and I would agree from a general standpoint that most people are probably better off with something like a Chase Ultimate Rewards or sure. an American Express Membership Rewards cart where they can have flexibility. Yeah, of course. But people are signing up, uh, you know, on a daily basis via kiosks in the airport or on flights. Um, and I think, you know, like if we think about just like the normal Joe or Jane traveler, they're they're, they're getting on a flight, JetBlue, United, Delta, whoever, whatever they're hopping on to fly. And if they're signing up on board or they're signing up in the airport, they're saying, I just enjoyed what I got. I got a cheap flight. I went to go visit my family. I went to Cancun for the weekend, whatever it was. That was appealing to me, and I want more. And so I'm going to sign up for their credit card. And that tells me two things. It tells me that you and I are still not doing a good enough job communicating to people that there are better values out there. And it tells me that the airlines believe those people will continue to sign up for their credit cards so they can keep moving the goalposts. Yeah, it's is a staunch reminder over in the Facebook group every day when folks ask questions and you know we're adding about twelve hundred folks a month now and it's just overwhelming to be reminded of what you just said that we are the one percent, if not less. Of people who do not comprehend from a day to day standpoint and daily spending habits and the things they do every month of how these programs work, despite the vast information out there and the gaining popularity of the information that we put out. You're right. We're not doing a good enough job or we're not doing it in the right mediums or the right uh, avenues to get the information out there about how these programs actually work. Because still once a week, people make the comment or submit the post of I can earn 2x Capital One miles on every purchase and this Chase card only earns one. Why would I ever get the Chase card? Right. That's still once a week, if not more than that. Um, people are not understanding this and the companies out there are still doing a good enough job. And in my opinion, they recognize this as well to take advantage, like you just said, of the ignorance of the publics and how their programs actually work. And the thought that a mile is a mile is a mile as far as, you know, people who travel only a couple of times a year. And that's motivating to me, but it's also a little bit disheartening of <laughs> oh, people. I mean, I go to family functions. I was back in Charleston two weeks ago for a wedding and family talks to me and ask me. And it's still just, yeah, we still, you know people still just don't understand how these things actually work. And that means the companies can do what they want and the 1% suffers, which at the end of the day, you know, I'm not crying for us. I'm just a little bit concerned at what this is going to look like three or four years from now versus what we see today. Well, and I think the silver lining here uh, is you know, what you mentioned about how, you know, War Travel 101 is still signing up, you know, over a thousand members a month. So those aren't just folks who want to be part of the 1% who have been traveling a specific way and are now looking to up their game. Some of those folks are folks who were not flying for recreation a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. We see that air traffic is up. You know, the Norwegian airs of the world, the low-cost carriers that have, you know, $30 flights to Europe are 
are changing the way people think about traveling. They're making the world smaller. And then once people get a taste of it, they want to learn more. And that's both good and bad for us because obviously the more more people want more in some respects, that, that, that means we're competing with more folks. But I think it, you know, I don't think that all of the people coming into Award Travel 101 on a weekly or a monthly basis are are folks who are trying to up their game. I think some of them are saying, wow, I really enjoy traveling and I want to do more of it. The, you know, that message is you know, a little bit simpler, as you say, because they come in and they, they, they make those simple comparisons that they're not aware of yet. And that's a good thing for us to help educate those folks on, on what's next. Um, I think the tough part becomes, you know, what do you do with those folks when it does get too complicated? Um, you know, the more, the more you and I have to work also means the more they have to work. And, you know, when does it get too hard for them and they just throw up their hands and say, screw it, I'll drive to, you know, Rehoboth beach or the Jersey shore or something like that, as opposed to hopping on a plane. Oh, don't do that. (laughs) Or do that if that's your sweet spot. I've, I know several uh, in the background of several episodes of Jersey Shore. I saw you back there um, at the party nights, uh, Ed. So I would love to go party <laughs> with you at the Jersey Shore again. But but no, you're right. Um, and there's been a shift. I've had a, a shift in strategy over the last uh, a couple months, really. As for whatever reason, the Facebook algorithm likes us right now. And by the way, the day we're, we're recording this, the big F8 conference, which is the annual Facebook conference, is going on. Out in Palo Alto, and they got some big announcements coming um, as far as Facebook groups are concerned as well. But the algorithm likes us right now in our fastest uh, pace of growth ever. And we have had to cater to the beginners to really go back to our War Travel 101 roots. Whereas typically over the years, I've had a lot of advanced conversations and we've had some advanced tactics. If I make those posts right now in War Travel 101, it's going to get as many questions from people asking me to back up and start all the way at the beginning as it is from people who are advanced in the in the hobby and understand what I'm saying. So we've had to go back and really approve a lot more beginner posts, really embrace the folks coming in that we want to get excited about this space and we want to have them quickly understand the difference between a Capital One mile and a Delta mile. And it's caused some interesting dynamics in the group lately from people who say, Hey, Richard, this question gets asked all the time, or um, why are we going to such beginner questions and posts? Well, this is a war travel 101. Guess what? We now have a war travel advanced. If this is not where you're finding you know, your definition, this is not where you're finding what you need. But there are a thousand people every month coming in who are excited, who don't fly like you just said. I think the article I read yesterday was what, 80% of people fly once a year who are on a plane, you divide the plane up, 80% are going to fly that one time in the year. Yep. The other, you know, one in five are the only folks that are fly multiple times. So my job is to appeal to people who have heard about this now and want to get excited about it and need the basic beginner information. Facebook groups, unfortunately, is not the best platform for information retention. So just because you've seen this post before does not mean the vast majority of people in the group have seen it based on how quickly posts move down the group now. So it's really been motivating, like you've said, and it's been interesting to understand that we need we are 101. We're not 201. We're not 301 um, to go back and make sure that the folks coming into the group like our brand. They like us. They feel like they can get their information answered. And if you don't feel like this is where you belong, we now have the other option of a War Travel Advance, which is uh, over 400 people now to get excited about. So. so you are you are kind of 101 and 201 now with Advanced. Yeah, it is. But I'll tell you, advances quickly become 401. Some of the best messages I've got this week are, Richard, this is just 
over my head is, is too much. And it's funny because a month ago when we started, people were skeptical. What can there be really advanced, you know, to talk about? And <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I got another message yesterday that said, this, I just, this isn't me. I'm not ready for this yet, <laughs> which is really encouraging for me. I'm sorry <laughs> to see them go, but it's like, oh, that's awesome. That's the best thing I could hear. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to leave, but I'm also excited about what we're doing over there. But who thought the shift in variable award charts would lead us to this conversation of, of, I don't know, maybe a fork in the road, if you want to call it that. I'm not sure. Could be a spoon. You never know. But I think, you know, I think one of the things <laughs> to, to think about here as we as we get to that fork in the road is, you know, there is a there is another silver lining here in, in the work that we do educating people. And that's, you know, right now it's lucrative for the airlines to sell credit cards. And, yeah. uh, you know, the next person's signing up and they're continuing to retain. There was a report that came out. The airlines are reporting more information. And I won't get too nerdy here, but essentially the, the bottom line of the information was the airlines believe that most of the miles that they're issuing won't be redeemed for over a year. So they think that somebody's going to apply for a credit card and not get either they're going to love the you know check bag benefit or priority boarding or stuff like that, or they're believing that it's worth waiting over a year to get value from their miles, which, uh, you know. <laughs> makes me sad inside um but the more that we the more that we talk to these folks and and explain to them why a chase ultimate rewards card or even in some situations a cashback card if what they're saving for is a a trip to charleston like you you know visiting your family and they're just not good airfare there so you're better off taking the cash back you know those folks making better decisions means that the airlines have to try a bit harder to sell their currency yeah, it is. Speaking of, by the way, I'm holding the flyer in my hand for the new card I just got. This is a new annual fee card that gets 3.75% cash back on all spend for the first 90 days. If you want to know what that is, head to Award Travel Advanced, but that is what I'm using right now. So the Ed point, I'm definitely taking 3.75% cash back on all spend right now. Uh, but you're right. And I am definitely heading. I'm definitely heading to Award Travel Advance to find out what you've <laughs> it's, got. It's ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I showed up. I read the fun print, and I went, "Holy crap! Is this what I think it is?" Because it's not advertised that way. And sure enough, it is. So really awesome stuff. But uh, to your point of people, so what does this all mean for you? How does this affect your strategy? People getting cards, holding onto it for a year. Airlines thinking it's easier to sell cards, but people surprisingly getting more cards when they're not sure of the value that they hold from sign-up bonuses or daily spend. What are you doing given the shift to variable award pricing? Here's what I think I'm doing. And some of this is based on the fact that I think I'll earn less miles and points a year or two years from now than I earn today. Or it'll cost me a lot more to redeem for trips. You know, where where it was easy to think about uh, you know, a long weekend to Paris or, you know, for example, my son, one of my son's great friends, his family moved to Spain and he really wants to see his friend. And so it's like, great, we'll just go for four days and visit them because using the right charts and the right points, it, it was cheap and easy. Now I, I sort of feel like I've got to start dialing up the number of days I go somewhere because if the airfare component's going to cost me a lot more, whether it's some cash or a lot more points, a three-day trip makes a lot less financial sense to me. And I think the the value junkie, the deal junkie me, isn't going to feel comfortable redeeming buckets of miles for short trips. It's almost like the variable pricing has the same rules as the airfare worth, you know, a minimum Friday or Saturday stay. If you stay seven days, it gets a lot cheaper. You know, it's from economy class that I'm specifically talking about. So the weekend trips, you're right, unless you're going to use two separate programs and somehow if you're going to Europe, avoid the fuel surcharges to get out of there to get back. It is hard. You do need to stay 
uh, longer. I remember starting back in 2012, 13, when I was in Asia, hopping around literally Friday afternoon to come back Sunday afternoon uh, to China or Taiwan, um, domestically to Okinawa. It was super easy. No problem whatsoever with United Miles. I don't see those opportunities there much anymore, especially if you're traveling on peak dates like Fridays and Sundays. Right, but here's what I think we will see. And this is, you know, obviously this is me hypothesizing about the future, but I think, um, you know, if you if you tuned into my podcast, Miles to Go, uh, a couple weeks ago, you would have heard a good friend of ours, Jen, from Deals We Like, talking about what we believe to be the first ever Chase Ultimate Rewards bonus transfer opportunity. Uh, 30% bonus for transferring Chase Ultimate Rewards points to Bank of America. And I'm sorry, Bank of America, <laughs> losing my mind today. British Airways, the other BA. Um, You're old as fine. <laughs> I am old as dirt. Um, so I do think that's a mechanism in the interim, the next two to five years, that we'll see the the airlines use as a lever to pull frequently to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna reduce the price. We're gonna have mileage sales, if you will, to get the Chase Ultimate Rewards folks or the American Express Membership Rewards folks to burn off those points and to to earn. Uh, money, if you will. So I think that the smart folks will look at those opportunities and will jump on transfer opportunities to to make the vacations the new affordable. They probably won't be as cheap as the the cheapest from a year or two ago, but I think those are the ways that smart folks are going to save money on awards. Call me a skeptic, right? Chase announces the first ever transfer bonus to British Airways. A week later, two weeks later, British Airways says, hey, we're shifting the goalposts. We're moving the award chart. Is that that's not coincidence, right? I think to some degree, I think it is. And and here's why I think so, because we're in a boom economy, which means smart businesses are trying different things. So I view this as a test for them. Like, hey, let's see how many people transfer. And ultimately, if if they're if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing as you know, protecting their shareholders, they're, they're trying to figure out how they're going to make money in a down economy. And they, you know, one of the big ways that airlines make money right now is selling their miles. And so it's like, all right, well, how do we sell more miles in a down economy? Well, we can sell them. We can sell them for cheaper on our website. But if we want to disguise the price that we're selling them for, we could sell them to our partners for cheaper. And it just looks like a 30% bonus. We're not selling, you know, we're not selling them for 1.5 cents instead of two cents. We're just, we're making it a little bit more opaque. And the airlines have a big habit of making things uh, opaque, you know, not transparent. And, and no, I, I, I really they don't do that, do they? <laughs> uh, I really do feel like this is a lever they're going to pull when the economy gets soft, and they need to generate, you know, that however many millions of miles they need to sell a quarter to satisfy shareholders, they're going to find a way to do it. And this is one of those paths that they can exploit, which is good for us too. I don't think I agree with you on that one. I think the folks over at the executive club have been rather busy and they're lining this all up and uh, we can sell more miles and we can now make it cost more for everybody who might jump on this. Or we can at least, like you said, maybe test it out and see what kind of action we get on a 30% transfer bonus, knowing that if it goes crazy and we're not prepared for it, then um, it's going to cost more to redeem anyways. I don't know. I, I think it's all strategic plan. Like I think the folks over there, executive club have a nice timeline up on the whiteboard where they've got this all mapped out and uh, they put it into action uh, over a month ago. Call me a skeptic or a conspiracy theorist, but uh, the folks are too smart running these big programs that in some cases are worth more than the airline themselves, right? These loyalty programs. <laughs> For sure. And that's where things get tough. If flying slows down, they, they need to have the planes flying to be able to sell the miles. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm, 
I think you and I are both in agreement. We've talked about it before. The recession is coming. And uh, what's going to happen with all these cuts and downgrades and taking things away from the customers when they need people to fly? That's going to be an episode for another time, but uh, something like that. All right, Ed, to close it out here, what recommendations do you have for listeners? And then I'm going to follow up with uh, a final thought. So given everything, given that we're not sure who's going to go variable, we're not sure what value that we hold in our hands, what's your overall recommendation for folks listening to this? Keep in mind that a lot of these people are my beginners from War Travel 101. Yeah, and I'm going to go I'm going to go against the grain of a lot of our uh cohorts in the the travel blogging and uh Facebook group space. Don't burn off your balance right away. You know, I understand the 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 common philosophy is let's get rid of those miles because they're going to be worth less later. We don't know how much less and there's still going to be pockets. There are. So like, you know, if you've got a great redemption for a a, a once in a lifetime trip, go ahead and take it. Sure. But if you're just burning miles because you don't want to get worse value later, I think you're missing the whole reason we all got into this game because we want to travel more and see the world. And smart folks will still find opportunities. The goose is not going to die tomorrow, a month from now, or a year from now. It's going to be harder. But if you're willing to put the work in um, and you're willing to listen to folks like Richard and have him help educate you on what the right path is, there's going to be a way. I'm not saying you should hoard your miles, but please don't burn them on a 32,500-mile one-way flight to Orlando because you feel like you got to get rid of them. Let's continue to make smart choices, and you know the folks at AT101 can help you do that. It's very true. You're making me rethink my earn and burn motto that has always been the case. However, if you need to get to Orlando, fly Frontier or Spirit or Allegiant or somebody and don't spend those 32,500 miles. Yep. And my final thought here is the day I think the goose is going to die where we all see programs turn to the Southwest or JetBlue straight revenue based model where we say points have a fixed value. And whether your flight's $400, $100, or you want to fly business class for 5000 your mile is worth 1.5 cents each. So maybe that day will come. I sure hope it doesn't. I think the success that JetBlue and Southwest are having has probably got some eyes turning. I hope that day doesn't come, but uh, I do believe what you said. It's not going to die tomorrow, a month, or a year from now. It might be down the future. And I sure hope that is nowhere in our future. Ed, my thanks as always for you uh, taking time out, especially out there in Denver today. Uh, Ed got up 5 a.m., ladies and gentlemen. We're going to give him a clap to go work out and take care of himself at the ripe old age of, what are you, seven? When did you graduate high school? Was it before or after the Second World War? I get confused when you tell me those stories. There were Model Ts, I will tell you that much. Oh, good. Was Henry Ford a nice man when you met him? I think he probably he was. He was a very nice man. He was still in black and white, too. <laughs> That's amazing when we, we got the ability to see in color, I'll tell you what. Ed, is always a pleasure. Ed is around this hobby doing so many things. He had the Freddie Awards last week. He runs like 17 podcasts now. He's got his blog. By the way, he's an extremely successful entrepreneur that has way too many dry cleaners and five gas burgers for uh, his own health, which I keep trying to talk to him about, but that's okay. But you can always catch him here chatting with me on the War Trouble 101 podcast. Ed, thanks a ton, man. You're the best. Thanks for having me on, sir. All right, we'll be right back here on the War Travel 101 podcast. The Award Travel 101 podcast is brought to you by Thrifty Traveler Premium. Over 80 international flight deals a month delivered right to your inbox. Never miss a cheap flight or a mistake fare again. Sign up today for free at thriftytraveler.com slash AT101. Many thanks to Ed for always coming along and agreeing to be my sidekick, although sometimes I'm pretty sure that I am his sidekick. 
anytime he comes on to chat with us. Hey, you heard me mention Award Travel Advanced. All you have to do is go to Award Travel 101 in the group search function. Type in Award Travel Advanced. You'll see all the information to join us over there talking very advanced items all the time. I'm really, really enjoying how that group has taken off in this first month. My thanks again to our new sponsor, Thrifty Traveler Premium. I just got an airfare deal to go to Puerto Rico, I think, for 180 bucks round trip from Atlanta. I love having those things pop up every day. Some good announcements coming up in Award Travel 101. Keep inf- keep your eye out for the Award Travel 101 Boot Camp. We're going to start doing boot camps around the country, a weekend of intensive learning, as well as a lot of fun and some insights from some of our sponsors out there in the loyalty space to come and give you uh, a bit of insight about what it's like on the other side of the loyalty programs. We're going to be making those announcements very soon. That's the Award Travel 101 Boot Camp. Hey, you can always submit your questions and what you want to hear about on the Award Travel 101 podcast, or if you have any questions you want us to answer on the podcast or in the group, anytime in Award Travel 101. I read all of the pending posts that come through every day, hundreds all the time. It's a constant stress ball. I'm telling you, it's like trying to draw a line in the water every time you want to approve a post or just answer it via PM. Make sure you know how to check your other inbox on Messenger from people who are not your friends that send you messages. My mod Moderators and I often respond to you, and it goes into your other inboxes. Messenger calls it. I love doing this podcast. I'm looking forward to next week. Thanks again to Thrifty Traveler Premium and Ed, and we'll catch you next time.